Hello and welcome to day 10 of the federal election campaign. It's Wednesday the 20th of April. My name is Cam Wilson and welcome to Crikey's Election Cast. Boo! What's that? It's the sound of a scare campaign. The last two elections have been influenced by the presence of negative campaigns against policies that the parties aren't actually proposing. There was many scare against the government in 2016, and in 2019, Labor's supposed death tax. Here's Crikey's audience editor, Imogen Champagne, talking to our federal politics reporter, Kishore Napier-Rahman, who has put his finger to the wind and sent some upcoming campaigns. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Crikey's daily election cast. Just before we get started, we've just sent out Crikey's midday edition, and there's a couple of articles well worth a read. Uh, you can read them and more up at crikey.com. And if you're not a subscriber yet, now's a great time to join us. So let's get into it. Welcome back to Election Cast, Kishore. G'day, Imogen. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> really over it so far, but, you know, a lot of election campaign to go. Yeah, a couple more weeks still to go. Oh, loving it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Kishore, if the theme of week one of the election was gaffes, the theme of week two seems to be shaping up as scare campaigns. Can you run us through some of the claims coming from both parties about what their opponents will do if elected? Look, this is always going to be a kind of scrappy, cynical and negative campaign. And I think that's really kicked into gear in the last couple of days. So what we've seen recently, Labor basically running this campaign about how the government is going to put all pensioners onto the welfare car- onto the cashless welfare card. The, the government has denied this repeatedly. Um, but it's apparently really catching on. You know, you've got, uh, there's a piece in Crikey yesterday by Guy Rundle about how many older people in northern Tasmania were really worried that they were going to be put onto this cashless debit card. Um, so that's been really effective for, for Labor. There's also been sort of hinting about, you know, the government cutting Medicare if elected based on something that Anne Rustin said a few years ago and kind of piecing that together, nudging and winking and doing enough to keep voters scared. Of course, this isn't all going one way. The coalition are, particularly under Scott Morrison, are masters of the scare campaign. They were so effective at mobilising that in 2019. So what we've seen so far is this claim that Labor is going int- to uh, boost electricity prices by, I think it's $560, based on some mystery modelling, no detail about that modelling, that was given, sort of dropped to some of the News Corp tabloids and put on the front page. You've also got claims that Labor is going to open the floodgates for asylum seeker boats again, um, mm-hmm. and people smugglers, we've heard all that before, uh, and claims that have been spread through liberal adver- advertising that Labor's going to introduce a uh, retirement tax, which is a reference to its policy on franking credits from the last election, which, of course, the opposition is not taking to this election. So a lot of kind of mudslinging on both sides, a lot of fairly spurious claims, um, but there's a reason they're doing them. It's because they work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, I mean, you wrote about this today. That's, that's why they do it. In 2016 and the 2019 election, these kind of campaigns proved very effective. Can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, of course. In, in 2016, you know, there was this Medi-Scare campaign that, that Labor kind of put together, this idea that the coalition was going to privatise Medicare. Now, I think there's something to note about a lot of these scare campaigns, they have maybe a kernel of truth. You just need a little bit of truth. You need to point to things that parties have said in the past, and that's what makes them catch on with voters. So in the case of the coalition, of course, you had uh, Tony Abbott going to the 2013 election saying there would be no cuts to Medicare and then, you know, trying to introduce some, some big reforms that would have changed that and made 
basically visiting the doctor more expensive. Um, so obviously Labor was able to wink at that and say, hey, look, they're going to privatise Medicare. Or, and that did enough to freak out a lot of voters. And it was one factor that contributed to Bill Shorten doing a lot better than expected in that campaign. In 2019, of course, you had this widespread viral disinformation campaign. didn't necessarily come from the Liberal Party, but it spread through Facebook and social media um, that, that, that Labor was going to introduce a death tax. Now, Labor never talked about a death tax, but it was coupled in with what they had said about, do, about things like franking credit changes, which would have uh, probably a much needed economic reform to the tax code, but very confusing to a lot of people. And I think that level of confusion, that new sort of new tax was enough to convince a lot of older people that Labor was going to you know, tax them into poverty or something like that. Um, so I think in 2019 as well, we saw a lot of that stuff spread through Facebook and social media. You had people who were running the, camp- the coalition's campaign actually sort of noting a few weeks later, look, we used boomer memes and it was really, really effective at getting our message across out there. So yeah, a lot of this stuff spreads through social media. A lot of it's been done in the past and they're going to keep doing it over the next few weeks. Kishore, can you explain what a boomer meme is? <laughs> Let me try to explain that in, in, in sort of basic language. It, it, it's, you know, it's a meme, but using a meme template that might be a decade out of date. So if you ever see a meme with um. Oh, one does not simply, and it's uh, Boromir from Lord of the Rings. Um, that was a meme that was very popular in 2012. Um, only sort of still popular <laughs> in 2022 among people who are maybe a little bit older, uh, with absolutely no disrespect to many of our um, listeners from that demographic. But, uh, yeah, it was very well mobilised to target a certain group of people by coalition um, strategists last time around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you said earlier, like all these scare campaigns need is this little kernel of truth. Is is there any truth in the scare campaigns of 2022? Well, look, let's talk about the stuff that Labor have said about the cashless debit card, because that's something that I think Scott Morrison got extremely defensive and sounded quite rattled when he was talking about. He called it a disgusting lie. What Labor have sort of pointed to as something that Anne Rustin, social services minister, like probably going to become health minister if the Morrison government is re-elected, something she said two years ago, which she talked about, let me pull up the exact quote. She said, we're seeking to put all income management onto the universal platform. Now, the government say that's been taken out of context and Rustin and the prime minister have repeatedly said they're not going to force pensioners onto the cashless welfare card. But what the government had tried to do in the last term was expand that cashless welfare card, um, something that was blocked in the Senate. See, and, and, the, and Labor, on the other hand, wants to abolish it completely. So you can see the kernel of truth there as the government's push to expand the card. All you need to do is to wink at that and then you've got yourself a fairly effective scare campaign. Similarly, Five years ago, Anne Rustin, you know, said something that could be about Medicare in its current form not being sustainable. This was, um, yeah, it was, sorry, not five years ago, seven years ago, in fact. Um, wow. The minute she was announced as the new potential health minister, Labor were jumping on that quote and using it as, as, as sort of a, to hint at the fact that, you know what, uh, the, the coalition will try to cut Medicare again if they're re-elected. So all you need, again, is a kernel of truth. In Labor's instance, of course, they've equivocated around the issue of stuff like vote turnbacks and they were very sort of uncertain about where they stood on issues around mining and, and, and climate change and that kind of thing. And all the government needs to do is say, 
oh, look, they're indecisive. They're going to do another carbon tax, which is something that Morrison was hinting at yesterday when he was in WA. Or, oh, look, they're going to restart um, the, the, the people smuggling trade and just wink at stuff that happened sort of back in 2012. You just need a kernel of truth and a cynical and often quite disengaged voting public. And I think that the disengagement is really important because it allows politicians to maybe take advantage of that and run with pretty disingenuous uh, claims at times. Speaking of um, disengaged voters, when it comes to election campaigns, it kind of tends to be the politicians and the reporters setting the agenda. And I think voters often disengage because they're not hearing about things they want to hear about. Is there any way that voters can move the election coverage away from things like gaffes and scare campaigns and onto topics that they care about, like the environment? Gee, I wish I knew that I'd have like solved elections and political (laughs) reporting completely in the span of this podcast. Look, I think there are a couple of things to note here. There was a news poll just a couple of days ago that showed that almost a third of voters are considering not voting for a major party as their first preference in the election. Now, that points to a real sense of disengagement. And I think Mm -hmm. if that trend continues, and it has been a trend over recent elections, you, you, you might have to force sort of politicians to change the way they approach voters. On the media as well, I feel like, you know, within the sector, within the industry, there's been a kind of bit of hand-wringing over the last week. No one's really been super satisfied with the state of campaign reporting. Like you said, people feel, it's just senior editors and people across newsrooms feel that it's too focused on the kind of the rubbish, the gaffes, the, the minutiae of what Scott Morrison did here and there, that the photo ops, all that kind of nonsense. But there's not really a kind of reckoning with how we necessarily change it. I, I, I think, you know, maybe one way to going about that is to try to be more policy driven with our coverage. But again, it, it also, part of that is the politics as well. You've got this election, which is fought between two parties that frankly aren't really trying to come at it with a big grand vision for the country. Now, Labor would obviously bristle at that. They find that particularly offensive when when people in the media say that. But, you know, it's a smaller target than they went to the election in 2019 with. Um, It's definitely less ambitious. There's definitely a lot of focus on sort of chipping away at Scott Morrison's character. So I think in part, you know, it's about how we've covered campaigns, the 24-hour news cycle, the constant need to produce content, but also it's really a reflection of the campaigns we're being we're, we're facing from politicians. Um, and again, you know, so much of the incentives of both sides is really just to win government no matter what. And if they do that at the cost of like, you know, pissing off voters during the course of the campaign, I, I think a lot of them are just going to be like, well, who cares? We've won. Mm, yeah. Bit of change of direction. Tonight is the first leaders debate. Which issues do you think Morrison and Albanese will be pushing tonight and which ones will they, they be trying to avoid? Look, um, to, just to turn back to the whole notion of disengaged voters, that debate's going to be played out on Sky. I wonder how many people are really going to be watching. I think the real thing to look out for in this debate is that there is a kind of narrative that's built around Albanese's campaign because he kind of came out with that gaffe on day one that, you know, he really needs a reset. He needs a sort of surge of momentum. Now, if Albanese has a really good performance in the camp- in the debate tonight, I think that would do a lot of good for his campaign. It would shift the narrative in a really meaningful and important way. I think, you know, we're probably going to see in terms of issues, we're going to see stuff around cost of living. That's really the thing that matters to so many voters in this election. 
in light of what the, the news today about uh, the security pact between the Solomon Islands and China, I think we can expect a little bit of work on national security. I mean, you note that the government was always going to probably fight a kind of khaki election campaign of trying to portray Labor as weak on the borders, weak on foreign policy. And frankly, to me, they haven't really run with that a whole heap over the last week. I expect that might ratchet up a little bit of the debate tonight. Um, as well, just because of the news we've had today, because Labor have also now criticised the government for kind of like sleepwalking, you know, around a really important uh, security issue in our own backyard. So that could be a theme. But I think we're going to see a lot of kind of like, you know, sniping, really. Um, Morrison has said, this is a choice between me and Anthony Albanese. You get me, you know what you get. Trying to portray him as an untried, untested, risky phenomenon, um, and really will probably hark back to his central pitch, which is, I know you may not like me, but stick with the devil you know. It's very inspiring. It's inspiring stuff, really. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and we'll actually be live blogging that tonight on Crikey on our homepage. So you'll get a Sky News production filtered through Tips and Murmurs editor Charlie Lewis. So that, that should be great. So I hope everyone can join us there. Thank you so much. I think that's all we've got time for today. Thanks, Kishore. That's our federal politics reporter in Canberra. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. That was Imogen Champagne talking to Kishore Napier-Rahman. That concludes Crikey's election cast for today. We will be back tomorrow. And as always, we'd appreciate it if you could review this podcast on whatever podcast platform that you use. And in the meantime, keep an eye out for our work at crikey.com.au. See ya. See ya.